Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets to Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton and Mary-Kate Saliva here on Veteran Voices. Welcome to today's show. Mary-Kate, how are we doing? Great, Scott. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. Writing for the long weekend. Long weekend. Well, and, and folks out there listening, we are recording this on the Friday before Labor Day weekend. Of course, we'll be uh, publishing this a few weeks later, but all the best to all those folks enjoying their weekend early. And Mary-Kate, your last appearance with us as a as an official co-host was a home run. We were getting inquiries from CNN and CBS and ABC News, so uh, I'm sure it kept your agent busy, huh? Oh yeah, for sure. And no sleep, as I say. I think there, I found out how to find 30 hours in a day here. <laughs> All right, share that with us. <laughs> but today we've got an <laughs> outstanding episode with a really a friend of yours, also a fellow veteran, uh, what I call a dual veteran. She spent some time in a couple different services. So looking forward to sharing her journey and POV through this uh, today's episode. But first, Mary-Kate, I'm going to knock out some housekeeping, and then we're going to introduce our guest. So that work? Sounds great to me. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So today's program, of course, is part of our Supply Chain Now family of programming. Today's show is conducted in partnership with our dear friends over at Vets2Industry.org. They're a nonprofit on the move, really deeply serving our uh, dear veterans community. Check them out. Tons of vetted resources at Vets2Industry.org. Of course, they could use your, your support as well. Uh, today's show is also sponsored by our friends over at Buyers Meeting Point and Dial P for Procurement. You can learn more about them at buyersmeetingpoint.com. Okay, so Mary-Kate, I've got the honor of introducing our guest today. Are you ready to let the cat out of the bag? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Do we want to? Maybe. <laughs> okay. She's been waiting there patiently, so I think we should. Let's do it. So <laughs> I want to introduce our guest today. So today we're going to be interviewing both a U.S. Army and a U.S. Air Force veteran. And since transitioning out of the military, she's joined the global supply chain industry, one of our favorites around here, where she's continuing to do big things there as well. So I want to welcome in Tara Holcomb, Supply Chain Risk Manager with Mantech International. Tara, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you both? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Great to have you with us. We, as, I, as we were talking pre-show, Tara, Mary-Kate is a huge fan. And Mary-Kate might just have a tattoo of you on her arm. She is such a big fan. So your ears have been burning. It's great to finally have you here on Veteran Voices. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. I mean, I was really excited when Mary-Kate told me about the show and I'm excited to be speaking with you both today. All right. Well, we're going to, um, we're going to toss some, some softballs to you up front. We always like to get a better grasp on where folks grew up and where they're from. And of course, you got to give us the goods on what it was like growing up, wherever you grew up. Give us some anecdotes there. So Tara, where, where was home for you? So I'm originally from Newark, New Jersey. 
<laughs> a lot of people know the airport. <laughs> it's honestly a great state. I know sometimes people say it's the armpit of the United States, but it's beautiful <laughs> and amazing and smells wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, right or wrong, fair or unfair, whenever I hear New Jersey, it takes me back to one of my favorite shows of all time, The Sopranos, right? <laughs> Man, what like Jersey a, Shore, what's uh, or, or <laughs> Jersey Shore, maybe too. But so you grew up in Newark. What was you know when you look back at, at growing up in in a great American city? What was key for you, uh, whether it's food or activities? What was key to your childhood and upbringing? <laughs> so Newark is quite a crazy little city. I think what was key to me is it really taught me how to be both street smart and book smart, if that makes sense. My brothers and I were very, very close. Walked to school in <laughs> knee-high snow a lot of times. Newark is a pretty rough area, but it's definitely changed and it's coming up. Um, I think it just teaches you a lot about yourself from its very humble beginnings. My parents are originally from Monrovia, Liberia. So we grew up in kind of like an an improvised type of area in Newark. I mean, mm. it has a huge property level. And I think it just taught me to like keep going and to stay motivated. So yeah, Newark. I love that. So Tara, I got to ask you, you know, when you grow up impoverished or, or, or without a whole bunch of extras is what we kind of called it, you know, you, you really later in life as, as maybe you go to work and you earn some things that you can provide for your family now that you didn't have as upbringing, just that sense of knowing always where you came from and that sense of gratitude for what you have now, you know, is that a big part of your personality? I think it is. I think it motivates me. And as I said, back in the day, New York was a little bit rough, but things are changing and there is so much hope and pride there. And it definitely motivated me to just stay humble and be as hard of a worker as I possibly could. Love it. Okay. One, two more questions. I'm going to pass it off to my dear co-host, Mary Kate. So your parents being originally from Liberia, are they growing up in, I think, a first-generation American family? Uh, do they bring a lot of their customs and, and food and, you know, everything that uh, means and shouts and screams Liberia in their ears to Newark, New Jersey? Yes. <laughs> there is Short answer, yes. There's a huge Liberian community in Newark. I think my parents taught me a lot about how the man led the household. And I think what I understood is that the woman submitted to the man, but it was a way to show that they also own the household too. And I think sometimes we take that in a, a different manner when we're from different cultures. But my parents were very <laughs> persistent when it came to our education and getting things done. And I think that there was just, there's cultural norms there that you can't break. Mm. So, you know what? I always, sometimes in those interviews, Mary Kate, you hear something and you hear how someone positions it and you just know that there's so many stories that <laughs> they can't share in today's conversation, but I love that. You know, it's really, it's important mm -hmm. to uh, know uh, where and, and, and maintain where we're all from and celebrate that so much. It sounds like that was front and center. Tara in your house growing up and uh, your family's home growing up. Okay. So uh, one last question and Mary Kate, I got to tell you, there is a talk show between two ferns and you are channeling that right now. My friend, you've got a plant on either side and I can't remember the guy's name, Zach 
Galifianakis. Does that sound right? Yeah, Galifianakis. Yeah. Uh, there. <laughs> so I'll tell you, Mary Kate's <laughs> got Hollywood in her blood. But Tara, where did you and Mary Kate meet? <laughs> so Mary Kate and I were going through a special operations course in North Carolina, Fayetteville. And I had seen Mary Kate around our squadron area before PT. <laughs> So maybe I was talking a little bit, I don't want to say that, but I had moved back to North Carolina after leaving Colorado, and I had just gone for a walk downtown Fayetteville, there's a lot of cute shops, so I went into this one shop and saw Mary Kate, kind of like a knickknack shop, which okay. is very Mary Kate, and I basically just walked up to her and said, I've seen you around the squadron, right? You're, you're in the same squadron as me. You, have you seen me? And, and you were just, hoping and praying she's going to say yes. And you didn't yeah. have the wrong person, right? Yeah. And just imagine what I was thinking, Scott. Imagine what I was thinking of this person's coming up to me. <laughs> you're in trouble is what you're thinking, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> she said, I think I've seen you before. <laughs> and I said, well, if you're not doing anything, do you want to hang out with me? She's going to tell you a completely different story, but that is what I remember saying. So that little spark, that little stalking moment is what has <laughs> blossomed into a really strong, vibrant friendship ever since. All right. So Mary Kate, I'm going to pass the baton to you. Feel free to correct the record, at least as you see it. And of course, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, Tara's time in uniform too. Yes, thank you, Scott. And thank you, Tara, my sister. I I mean, Tara is long time since that first day, but of course there's two different versions of that story. But yes, we were downtown. Yes, we we're in a shop looking at some knickknacks, but I think I was in the sock section looking at some cool socks with some cool sayings on it. And she just comes up to me and was like, are you in PSYOP? And I'm thinking like, do I say yes or do I say no? Like, I don't know this person. Is she collecting information on me? Like, I've never seen her in my life. Um, okay, yes, yes. <laughs> but um, really, it really didn't end up where she's, uh, she asked if, you know, if I had anything else going on, if she could just walk with me to the next shop and, and the rest is history. We got to know each other, exchange numbers. And and she's definitely been like a sister to me the, the rest of the time and sister for life. So uh, love her family, love her. And I, I really appreciate being on this with her today because I really would love for you, Tara, to share your story about your service, your time in service. And can you tell us a little bit about that time? Because that's really where it began for our friendship. But um, yeah, I just want you to share it with the world because I think your story is incredible. Mm. So just a little bit, Tara, about your time in service. So I joined the United States Army in 2011. I think... <laughs> If you are don't come from a military background or you don't have family that are part of the military, it is a culture shock. Right. I remember. Yes. I remember um, eating literally everything on my plate in basic training, even the bread and butter. I was doing it all, <laughs> and being so scared to eat ice cream. <laughs> yes. Oh, we shared that because you had to for if in basic training for the Air Force, we had to walk past the snake pit. I think as we called it to get ice cream and you knew those TIs, you know, they were going to pick they they focused on the folks that <laughs> went and got ice cream. So I'm going to snipe Tara. you. <laughs> yes. So I did basic training in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and I never knew I could sweat as much as I did. <laughs> and I didn't realize that it could get as hot as it did. So definitely a culture shock there too. But I will tell you that after basic training, 
I completely changed and became the person that I've always wanted to be in the sense. Mm. I think I, I mean, I started basic training when I was 21 years old. So at that time you think I, I pretty much got it all together, but I realized that I was still a child in so many ways. And I think that the military really changed my mindset and helped me just overcome and adapt a lot of things that I didn't know I was going to be able to do. So I, my first duty station, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, <laughs> with the 82nd Airborne Division. And let me tell you, if you're not a runner, you're going to learn how to become a runner. <laughs> Uphill, both ways. <laughs> snow or no I snow. I swear, some of those... <laughs> Snow or no snow. I feel like that's the way it's just all hills over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think in the 82nd, um, I was a part of a BSTB, which is kind of like just a battalion that is a little bit of everything. So you have MI, you have communications, you have headquarters and headquarters battalion. I was a part of that. So I actually was um, considered to be a motor pool clerk and I basically managed all the vehicles for our entire battalion, including brigade. So so I was in third BCT. Like a big fleet. Yeah. So every morning we had accountability at the motor pool for everyone to check their vehicles. And I will tell you, like, I'm pretty tough. So I'm by the book (laughs) and I was a specialist at the time. So an E4. And when you're the only supervisor in the office as an E4, you really have big shoes to fill. (laughs) So That was really exciting. And that's kind of where my logistics career started. I learned a lot. I think people just don't understand like everything that logistics really encompasses, you know, when you're thinking about transportation and parts and stock and all kinds of things. And so it really kind of got my wheels turning on what that looks like, because when you go to maps and they're like, you're going to be an 88 Mike, (laughs) you know, for me at first, that's what they said. And then um, they're like, you're going to be an automated specialist. Yeah. You're like, what is that? <laughs> exactly. That, that's just such a, a great, great point, Tara, and a great segue to your, your transition. Cause one of the really great things about, about your story is that you had such a unique transition from service. And you brought up a great point that what you did in military, you saw a connection to supply chain. And could you just talk us through your transition, sort of your life? lessons learned before, during, and after as you went through that process. So how was that for you? Before my transition, I was just simply trying to figure out, you know, where I wanted to be Mm. and where I saw myself. Mm -hmm. Some people in the military don't have these strong support systems. And I think that we have to realize and understand kind of our, our soldiers, our airmen, you know, our Marines, we have to understand what's going on with them. So I have always lacked a strong support system for such a long time. I was a single parent while I was in the military. And so I kind of got to a point where I was a little bit burnt out and really worried about my child um, and not being able to be there during certain points in time. And I think that that was really a big concern of mine when I decided like it's time for me to maybe step away from this and, you know, just test the waters like outside of the military. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was as you're beginning to wrap up your time with the U S army. Yes. So you actually made two transitions, which we'll talk about in a second, but, but you're talking about the point in time where you're about to, to uh, separate from the army, right? Yes. 
So this is 2018. It's been a great career, but somebody told, one of my mentors told me this. Um, she said, your child's only young for a certain point in time. And before you know it, they're gone. <laughs> and that really just struck a chord with me. And so I decided it would be best to leave. And I talked to my leadership. <laughs> there was really some back and forth. Let's, just say, let's say that. <laughs> they wanted to keep you in. And you really wanted to check out the other side of the fence, right? Yeah. I mean, I think anybody can tell you who's leaving any type of military service that they're not like, yes, great. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> it's the other side of that. They're like, right, trying to stay, stay. just sign here. <laughs> yeah. Six more years. <laughs> Give it to us. But I just knew that it was the right decision for me. I think that I was surrounded by a strong network of like mentors who walked beside me and really helped me. So during my transition, I had applications everywhere. <laughs> I just want to be honest. I think when you're leaving the military, whether you're a single parent or whether, you know, the military has been your only, your first and only job, you need to be self-motivated and you need to push yourself to really identify what you're course of action is going to look like. You need to understand everything about where you might possibly end up, you know, the social economic level that you are hoping to be at, what life is going to look like when the military isn't paying for your health insurance anymore, because I didn't really think about that or take that yes. into account in the beginning. And I just think that you really have to like push yourself, like I said, and be proactive. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And Mary Kate, I want to I want to ask you a question here because you know a lot of what we do here. I think we've sell it, we've uh, for veteran voices. We've just crested over I think fifty episodes, and a lot of those episodes have been as y'all might imagine. We talk about transition a lot because there's still a lot of despite all the gains we've made as a veteran community, you know, and and despite a lot of progress that what I'll call collectively corporate America or or um, you know the business world has made towards understanding, we still have a long way to go to really leave no one behind in that successful transition process. Yes. So I appreciate what you just shared there, Tara, especially thinking about healthcare, thinking about how much income you want to have on the private side, you know, because proactively, I think military members are better if they have those thinking exercises while they're still wearing uniform rather than having those thinking exercises after they've trans transitioned out. So Mary Kate, on that note, before we keep going down a path with Tara, what else would you add from a transitional standpoint that folks need to know? Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that Tara touched on the mentorship aspect, because I think without having reached out to both uh, civilians, both those who've never worn the uniform to help translate that military jargon, that language that we have within service, but also those who've successfully transitioned, they pointed out things that I would not have known to do, like filing for your own life insurance outside or so that's not something you really think about and even filing for your VA claim there's still some negative connotations associated with filing a claim or, or seeking but you want to spend that time doing your transition to check to make sure your records are good and if things aren't you know if your x-rays aren't in there or if something's missing make sure you get it all together and get it taken care of because you don't want to spend like 10 years out of service and then you find that you, the, the bones start creaking, you become Mr. Potato Head. And 
and you don't have anything documented because uh, the reality is that you you earned that it, you know is that you don't have to have been you don't have to have been shot at you know so, and I I find I have too many conversation service members that feel like they did not earn that claim and uh, the reality is that they did so I just want to stress that too to just have mentors so thank you Scott for highlighting that excellent point excellent point so Tara going back so you made the decision, it sounds like, to separate from the U.S. Army, right? And then what came next for you? Um, so I had already had a job offer a couple months prior to getting out of the military. I remember Mary-Kate and I talking about it. I was like, I think this is great, right? Isn't it great? So I had a job offer with a small, with a probably, I would say, small, medium-sized company in Virginia, in Springfield, Virginia, and I will definitely say that there was just a lot I didn't know. So I walked into this environment where I was still working for DOD and I was working among soldiers still. I was working in a warehouse <laughs> and I was basically doing what they call, well, DERMO, what is now called DLA. Right. Um, so basically like dispositions of parts and disposal. And I just didn't know that it was a place that I thought that I would, I should start off at, you know, I think a lot of times we get out of the military and we think, well, I was a, you know, so-and-so, right. so I deserve to be a so-and-so, if that makes sense. I don't want to put a, a rank or a name <laughs> or whatever to the title. But I think what I learned is that number one, I was blessed enough to have a, you know, to have an offer letter and to come out of the military with a position. And so I think sometimes no matter how high you think you are, you have to humble yourself and realize that this is the foundation where you are going to build your career upon. And the people around you are going to help you. I like, uh, I love how you just put that. I love how you put that. And it is, I think we've all felt the need to humble ourselves and kind of unlearn and then relearn. Right. Uh, and that's important in supply chain, for example, that, which, you know, very well, Tara, I think the supply chain industry is, is in the process of un unlearning a lot of long held best practices because of how the situations have, uh, and, and industry has changed. And it's, and that, that can be pretty painful that unlearning and that humbling process. Right. So when did you make the decision and, and Mary Kate, we'll just, we'll just bounce it back and forth here and keep it real. Uh, Tara, when did sure. you make the decision to go back and put the uniform back on with the U.S. Air Force? So I was actually in Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah, I was in not as a soldier, not as a soldier, as a contractor. I was in Afghanistan and I was supporting an, another agency and still with the same company supporting another agency. And while I was there, I met a, another young man, co-worker of mine. And I had told him about maybe some of my army woes, right? You know, some of the things that I wish I had done better. And he said, you know what? You sound like you're smart. What's your GT score? And I'm like, well, it's, I think it's pretty good. So I told him what I was, you know, what it was and what I think I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I've been in the supply chain field for a while, but maybe I would like to step into cyber on the other side of that. And so he said, well, let me give you my recruiter's number. And when you get back to the States, you can contact her. So that is exactly what I did. And before I knew it, I was in the <laughs> U.S. Air Force. 
You know, that is, that, that is so awesome. Those recruiters have their eyes open all the time when you least suspect it. And we were talking stalking earlier. It looks like you were stalked. The tables were turned a little bit, Tara, and you were stalked. So, Mary Kate, I want you to chime in here before Tara kind of touches on what she did in Air Force and then talks about that second transition. What, what are you hearing? The thoughts kind of rolling through Tara's head as she reconsiders, you know, putting the uniform back on. It's just like, how can I get as far away from Mary Kate as possible? And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like now I, I tell you, Scott, that we were in an event recently with veterans and I kept interested every time we came across an army person, I'm like, yes, Tara was army, but she left us and went air force. Now Scott, she's one of you. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I love that you mentioned that. And, you know, Tara, you touched on earlier, you know, kind of the, the retention efforts right? Any branch, you know, kind of tries to, um, mm-hmm. you know, protect, especially the well-performing troops like you were, Tara. But I think we all, when we leave service, you know, even if you hit the lottery on your first day out of the, out of uniform, you know, and, and you have a big old grand life, you still miss certain components and especially the, the camaraderie and, and that tight knit family and, and just kind of how that carries over uh, when you're wearing a uniform, any other aspect, you know, a- after the day's done, you're playing basketball together or you're, you know, you're crying in beers together over something family or, or maybe your sports team lost. It really, at least in my experience was tight knit. And, and uh, that camaraderie is something that you don't always experience a second time in your journey. Tara, is that, does that resonate with you? It, it really does. I mean, some of the friends that I have from my army days or career, are some of my best friends, some of the people who have are still walking with me through life. Mary Kate number one. <laughs> Mary Kate number one. I mean, she is definitely my family. And I think that even during like some times where I was alone and a single parent, she really stepped up for me. And I think you just don't find that anywhere in life. I think I told Mary Kate, but I feel like the older we get, the harder it is to find lifelong friends. And <laughs> she has been an inspiration to me and just my cheerleader in so many ways, you know, mm. so. love that. Oh, gosh, I could frame that and put it on the wall, Mary Kate. It's got to make you feel good. It, gosh, it does. Cause it's definitely f- feelings mutual for sure. And, and it actually kind of made me chuckle Scott when you mentioned talking about sports and so, cause I think our camaraderie when Tara emphasized knickknacks earlier in our origin story, her and I actually make it a, a trip trip. We'll drive over an hour just to go thrifting or junking or however you want to call it, wherever you're at in the country. But anti- we, we're there digging in the piles and old barns and trying to find the next good thing. So uh, it's just a pastime of ours and, and farmers markets, but we just love doing like crazy old lady stuff. Like, <laughs> so uh, we, we kind of say that we're like a couple of old souls that's going to be wearing our old vet hats one day. But uh, for now, I just, I'm just so proud of her for how far she's come. And uh, even if we're out there like running a, a five miler in 20 degree weather, I mean, the good old days, we can reflect on that. But moving forward, I just, Tara, I really want to just hear about the sort of the skills that you've taken like how you've enhanced your skills from in supply chain because you I have watched you grow so much in the past few years since you got out of the army and now you're in air force doing the cyber thing but you're also doing the supply chain thing and just what are you doing now to, to keep yourself current with uh in your field well so you know a couple years later after I was with a small organization in Afghanistan um I got a call from a Mantech recruiter <laughs> 
And I want to say it was probably one of the best days of my career wow. because it really transformed maybe some of the things that I had seen in supply chain and logistics already, like working in a warehouse or working in a motor pool or doing like some side, some type of procurement overseas. I stepped into a different role, which looked more like auditing on the side of, you know, supply chain and logistics. And I was, you know, they brought me in as a principal logistics analyst and it gave me some time to really go around and meet up with the customers on my project and basically have face-to-face -face with them. So build that rapport, but also um, acknowledge the equipment that they have and then work on the process of really auditing what they don't have or what they might be missing. And then being able to see how to accurately dispose of products in different ways. So I went from doing a lot of warehouse stuff to doing some auditing. And it's been a wonderful journey because as much as I want to progress my career, Mantech has been side by side with me. So I had gone to um, a supply chain summit, supply chain risk management summit a while ago that was hosted by uh, another organization, another yep. agency. And I did not even realize that all this stuff was going on, you know? And so I saw a job opening for a supply chain risk manager and I hopped on it and my leadership said to me, they were like, we see the value in you. We know that you can tackle this. And so I currently hold the position of supply chain risk manager at Mantech and it has been a wonderful eye-opening experience. I will tell you that, especially during COVID. Oh gosh. That's well, that your wheelhouse, Scott. Wow. That's your, this is your wheelhouse now, <laughs> supply chain. You know. <laughs> In particular, uh, Mary Kate, and I appreciate you. We, we are big supply chain nerds here at Veteran Voices and Supply Chain Now. But uh, Tara and Mary Kate, as you both know, risk also. Uh, if supply chain, you know, has earned a seat at the table, and it's kind of like it seems like every organization's got like a a red phone under a um, a, a cake cover. That's like the bat. That's like the bat phone to supply chain. But doubling down on that. You know, you've got, it sounds like your role is at the intersection of supply chain and risk and risk, of course, in the last five years or so um, has blown up in terms of uh, importance and, and strategic importance. You know, you're seeing chief risk officers now at, at organizations. So Tara, you know, as much as you enjoyed your time in uniform, both in army and the air force, and what I'm kind of hearing and correct me if I'm wrong. I hear things wrong all the time, despite how big my ears are. What I'm hearing is just like when you were in the army and like, you know, you're in basic, I think you said you're 21 and then you kind of grew up and kind of became who you are. It sounds like what you're doing now is like a, a second epiphany or, or a second birth to becoming, you know, even a, a, a bigger, even more professional version of Tara Holcomb. Is that, is that accurate? It is. I think that Mantech has allowed opportunities for me to kind of step out of the box and create this role to where, you know, I've seen that it needs to be. I mean, there's a lot of reading and a lot of research that goes into apply to supply chain risk management, especially because we're seeing all types of things happening all over the world. We're seeing lack of storage containers. We're seeing floods and events that we cannot control. So we have to understand that we have to take some type of risk on. But I specifically work with IT equipment. So when you're thinking about it from that standpoint, I mean, you're looking at semiconductors, you're looking at how some people are moving away from a lean atmosphere because we don't have enough products. But I think what's super important is that 
predictive planning is on the rise and forecasting properly is going to help us essentially build the stockage levels that we need to have in order to be productive. Okay. She's Man. smart, ain't she, Scott? She's oh, smart. We could really nerd out here over the next couple of hours, Tara, but for the sake of time, but I, I love that. I, I love how uh, a fellow veteran uh, found their supply chain roots, their supply chain passion in uniform. And then as after they transitioned, even if, 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 if you uniquely had two transitions and you're finding it on the, on the private uh, industry side, and, and it sounds like the art of the possible for where your career can go is really exciting. So Tara, Man, kudos. Let me circle back on what we want to tackle, Mary Kate, because there's a lot of different. I've got a, I've got about 972 follow up questions I'd like to ask you, Tara, but I want to stick to our game plan here today and talk about highlights because you've already shared, you know, in your relatively brief career thus far. When, when did you exit? What year did you exit the Air Force? Well, I'm actually still in the Air Force. Oh, well, then I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah, I'm still a reservist. So. So you are a Air Force reservist, and w when did you begin work with uh, Mantech? So I began my I began to work with Mantech in 2019, I believe, October. Okay, so in, in a short amount of time, it sounds like you've had lots of eureka moments, lots of uh, of a lot of good news and some heights and some things to celebrate. What else, uh, when you look back on, on the last couple of years of your professional journey? What else was a big moment for you? What else was a, a big cause for celebration? What else was a high point of this, this new and improved Tara Holcomb? A big, a big high point was just the leadership that I have been under at Mantech. They really supported me in my journey and understood some of the things that I've been looking towards. But I think another more recent high point was that as a veteran, I got out before there was vets to industry and I kind of got out with a, of the army with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And I didn't know if I had a family and other veterans. I think mm -hmm. I was a little bit worried about that. But recently, Mary Kate drew me in and she's like, come to this vets to industry, you know, thing that they're having and <laughs> come and meet all these people. And I think what I realized is that I do have a family out there. You know, I have a family and veterans like we have served together and we've done some amazing things. And I think when you're a veteran and you feel alone, like you don't have anyone else, the truth is you have your brother and sister to the right and left of you, the same way you have them when you're in the service, the same way you fought for them, the same way you care for them. They're out here and they're going to do the same thing for you. Tara, well said. And, and folks, if you listen to this and, um, you know, you're having a down day, make sure you reach out, reach out to someone because as Tara mentioned, your brothers and sisters in, in uniform, whether they're recent time in service or spend 10, 15 years, 30 years, doesn't matter. They're here to help. We're a family and, and it's okay Absolutely. to acknowledge that you do, you know, you need some help. So Mary Kate, I want to bring you in because what Tara just mentioned has got to be, I mean, that's like, uh, that kind of stuff makes me ready wow. to run through Goosebumps. walls. Yes, exactly. So yes. Mary Kate, tell us, tell us about that extended family that you brought Tara into. Yes. And, and I love that she gave a shout to vets to industry because they definitely, I, I transitioned, I started my transition in the midst of the pandemic. So we were looking at 2020 and a lot of us were, a lot of folks were in quarantine, offices were closed, people working from home. So I didn't know what that was going to look like and watching Tara, uh, 
I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Like I'm not retiring. You know, Tara didn't retire from service. And that can be scary. Cause you're like, we don't have a pension to rely on what what's next for us. And, and really what it, what's my sense of purpose? What's my why? And so uh, I definitely found a community with vets to industry. And of course they led me to you, Scott. So that was a plus. So, but with uh, Tara for sure, um, I just wanted her to know because I saw, as I saw her journey and I was there for her every step of the way, I saw that she really wasn't reaching out to the veteran community, which in turn helped me so much. Cause I don't think that I would have been where I'm at today had it not been uh, for the mentors that I had uh, from vets to industry and numerous other veteran service organizations that helped me along the way this past year. So hundred percent, not alone and shouldn't do it alone. And, and it's for life. Well said, love that uh, Mary Kate. All right. So what I wanted to ask you next, Tara, I don't know about y'all. I think all of our crystal balls have been broken for years, but Tara, tell us if you can, what is next for you? And, and what, when you wake up in the mornings, what invigorates you? What inspires you? <laughs> so I'm besides me, Tara, Yeah, besides, yeah, besides Mary Kate, Mary yeah, Kate. <laughs> number one in my book. Um, <laughs> no, I'm definitely motivated by my family and by just my community and my love of like farming. <laughs> I know this has nothing to do with it, but I love stuff like that. But I think I'm motivated by the people that I work with too. You know, um, I'm not sure of what's next for me right now. Supply chain mismanagement is such like, it's brand new and it's pretty huge. And I'm trying to dive into that. So <laughs> I, I mean, like I've been, cold writing people and saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Um, will you walk beside me in this? And Mantec has a ton of educational resources. So I decided that I was gonna do a software systems engineering bachelor's degree program, wow. which um, they have like this really amazing um, like collaboration with Colorado Technical University. So it's fully funded and it's no out of pocket for you. And it's amazing because you get to really step out of awesome. your box and kind of do something that you wouldn't have thought you you could do or you want to do. I think you just have to take the chance sometimes. Tara, hey, are they hiring? Can you get me on? Free <laughs> they engineering are. degrees. <laughs> now that's that is remarkable, especially in this in this era where unfortunately, you know, a lot of a lot of you know the benefits and pensions and some of those extras, those big extras, you know, companies have been cutting back. So it sounds like to me that Mantech is really investing and is open to investing and really investing in their, their team and their associates. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. I went to tech school for a few months and Mantech, you know, covered me with my salary. They made sure that I was taken care of. My leadership was constantly in contact with me, not bothering me, but basically <laughs> being like, are you okay? And how is it going? And you can do it, you know, and stuff like that. Because if you think about it, Supply chain mismanagement does have a lot to do with the IT community too, and you know cyber equipment and stuff like that. So they were rooting for me in a lot of ways, and I really appreciate that. So forty-eight percent of the company um, are veterans, and they will really, truly like reach out and figure out a way to help you, um, no matter where you are in life. Love that. I love that. Scott, I have to say that, uh, yeah. but, but uh, with the rec with Mantech. Those Saturday events that happen in best industry every three weeks on a Saturday for like five to six hours, Mantech recruiters are at those events. 
and it is like relentless. Like they they are on a mission. They're hiring veterans, military spouses. You know, like they're out there to let folks know that they care about the veteran veteran community and military community. And I mean, it's just great to see. And and I definitely look back and, and I continue to ask Tara for that advice. So as much as she's cold messaging people to say, hey, can you walk this journey? I mean, she's still paying it for and giving it back. And I mean, that's what it's all about. And that, that's why I, I circle back to say, hey, Scott's a veteran. He gets supply chain now. I mean, just to know that there are resources out there like that and giving back. Well said. Yeah. It, and, you know, I think it's important as all three of us uh, are acknowledging, you know, you, we're, we all are the beneficiary of those that have given back that have come before us. And now it is it is our responsibility to yeah. put the ladder down as a lot of folks reference and, and to, and to give forward as we like to call it around here. So, so Tara and Mary, I love to hear the culture at Mantech and then clearly they, they are one of the organizations that understand the prop, the value proposition that vets bring to the table. So let's do this. Mary Kate, you have had a, a, some big news, which I'm going to ask you about here as we close in just a second, but Tara, let's make sure folks, can connect with you and find you after today's uh, episode and want to compare notes or what have you. So what's the easiest way to get in touch with the one and only Tara Holcomb? Contact Mary Kate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can definitely find me on LinkedIn and you can email me. My email address is tara.holcomb1226 at gmail. And so reach out anytime if you need anything. I'm more than willing to help. I will definitely say that as long as you come ready to work hard and ready to basically just work well with others also, <laughs> I am more than happy to do whatever I can to support you in your journey because we all need someone to walk beside us and to guide us through this process. So please never hesitate to reach out. Mm. What a great point to wrap that on, uh, Tara. Really appreciate, admire your service, ad admire your, your journey. And, and I tell you, May, us, may all of us, wherever we are, wherever you are, the, the, those that are listening, kind of can find a position that is fulfilling and empowering and uh, sounds like opens lots of doors of opportunity like you found, Tara. So thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Go Air Force. That's, that's right. Go Air Force. So oh, on that gosh, note, I knew I was waiting for it to come. <laughs> I was waiting for it. So this is a per perfect segue, you know, fresh off getting Tara Holcomb's great story. So Mary Kate, you've had some big news here in recent weeks. So tell us more as we exchange a couple of high fives. Tell us what I would say you, you've kicked off two big new journey, uh, journeys. I think school starts uh, soon right around the corner as you as you uh, kick off your PhD program, which is really cool. But what else is some big news from Mary Kate Saliva's world? Oh, yes. Thanks, Scott. So I'm really well. And thank you. Tara, I, I'm really excited to say that I'm now I, I'm working for Project Management Institute. They've been around since 1969, sole provider of the, the PMP, the Project Management Certification. And it's just, they have so much, so many things to offer the military community specifically, uh, the veteran community, which is why I'm really excited to be part of PMI now to really get the word out that you can go after these professional certifications while you're still in uniform, even after you're out of uniform, if you're doing a career pivot, uh, there's so much more than just the PMP. But I think with, with uh, how Tara was saying, I just want a message for those listeners today that you don't don't stress yourself out to the point you get sick of trying to find the perfect job, the all capital letters job when you get out of service, uh, when you become a veteran, get that DD-214, because 
you realize like with Tara, how she, she journeyed through, she didn't just stay with the first one. And granted, I feel so fortunate because I, I waited, 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 Scott, in my transition to find like a good culture fit for me. And I really do feel like I found that with PMI and it's just something that is just out there. I want to, I'm so eager to give back and spread the word to our community, what they have to offer. So, I and of course, it. again, Dr. Criminal Justice degree starting next program starting uh, up already. So <laughs> you're going to crush that, uh, Mary Kate. Uh, I love to hear the trajectory that both of y'all are on, Tara and Mary Kate. Um, your companies are better off, industry is better off, and we look forward to having having you back. You know, we'll do a check in with you, Tara and Mary Kate. I know we've got a couple of the shows up our sleeves together. All right, so Mary Kate, one last question: How can folks connect with you, and of course, PMI? Yes, and. So definitely you can reach out to me, Mary Kate Saliva, just as written um, and on, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's the best way. And uh, just shoot me a message, happy to connect with you and give you more information about PMI and continue. You can always check out uh, the, our website as well and projectmanagementinstitute.org. And it's just got so many different offerings. We can talk about the different programs while you're in service as well and talk to you about those opportunities to get your certification paid for. So thank you, Scott, so much for this opportunity. Always a pleasure to co-host with you. Well, and same. Uh, I love the energy. I love the guests and the guest ideas you have. Of course, Tara Holcomb hit it out of the park today. So we look forward to reconnecting with her down the road. But hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we have here. We've had too much fun, I think. We'll have to bolt a second hour to these future episodes, Mary-Kate. But hey, on behalf of our entire team here at Veteran Voices, we invite you to find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss conversations like this. You can find us across social media. Be sure to check out one, uh, a couple of the groups we, we talked about here today, vets2industry.org, nonprofit. It's a wonderful resource for veterans looking for uh, resources of all types. It's a wonderful family, as Mary-Kate and Tara both have spoken to. And it's a nonprofit doing great work. Uh, they could use your support, so check that out. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Buyers Meeting Point and Dial P for Procurement. The near and dear Kelly Barner over there is the leader. You can learn more at buyersmeetingpoint.com. And lastly, I'll tell you, chock full. I got about 18 pages of notes from Tara and uh, Mary Kate's perspective. Uh, this this should invigorate <laughs> you. This this should inspire you. Hopefully, it makes yes. you laugh a little bit. But most importantly, hey, we challenge you on behalf of our entire team here. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.